Open your Bibles with me to Psalm 103. I love Thanksgiving time, this time of year. And uh, Thursday morning, Steve Clayton texted me um, just, you know, Thanksgiving wishes. And he had a portion of Psalm 103 in his text. When I read that, I texted him back immediately and said, I think I'm going to preach this text on Sunday morning. It's just perfect for today. And we have a lot to be thankful for, don't we? We really do. And uh, I want to look at this. So let's do this. Let's read through Psalm 103. I want to read the whole psalm. And that means that we have to focus. Don't let your mind wander. Look at every word. And uh, when you see the text, you'll see why we need to focus on it. Then I'm going to read some things about the text. And then we'll get into the message. Let's look at verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will He keep His anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor regarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward them that fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath He removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear Him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as the flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, and his righteousness unto children's children. To such as keep his covenant, and to those that remember his commandments to do them. The Lord hath prepared His throne in the heavens, and His kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye His angels, that excel in strength, that do His commandments, hearkening unto the voice of His word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye hosts, or all ye His hosts, ye ministers of His that do His pleasure. Bless the Lord, all His works, in all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we have a lot to be thankful for, and we do want to bless you today. And so, Father, I pray as we look at this text, as we learn some things, then we're challenged by some things. Lord, I pray here, I pray that we leave here with a different spirit, a different attitude than we entered. In Jesus' name, amen. Isn't that an amazing psalm? It is. Listen to what Spurgeon said about it. He said, our attempt at exposition, and that's explaining the text, our attempt at exposition is commenced under an impressive sense of the utter impossibility of doing justice to so sublime a composition. We call upon our soul and all that is within us to aid in the pleasurable task, but alas, our soul is finite, and our all of mental, uh, and, and our all of mental faculty far too little for the enterprise. There is too much in the psalm for a thousand pens to write. It is one of those all-comprehending scriptures, which is a Bible in itself, 
and it might alone almost suffice for the hymn book of the church. Isn't that good? That, that, is, that is this psalm. So I want to ask you this morning, as I look out, it's been a busy weekend. Some of you shopped all night. Some of you watched football and drove to watch football. And I imagine just about everybody ate too much. And so by the time you get to Sunday, following this weekend, if you could see what I'm seeing right now, it looks something like this. <laughs> so I want us to look at this text and let's think about it and let's apply some of it. I want to, I should have put it up on the screen because it's a little easier to follow what I read on the screen. I want to read just maybe two more statements from Spurgeon about the text and then we'll get into it. He says this about it. Pardoned sin is in our experience one of the choicest boons of grace, one of the earliest gifts of mercy. In fact, the needful preparation for enjoying all that follows it till iniquity is forgiven, healing, redemption, and satisfaction are unknown blessings. Forgiveness is first in the order of our spiritual experience and in some respects first in value. Now, that is a true statement. That's what this text is about. I, I took my title of this message from Spurgeon's Treasury of David. If you don't have Spurgeon's Treasury of David, you ought to get it. When he comments on these psalms, it's, it's unbelievable. And he talks about that David understood, listen, the preciousness of pardon. The preciousness of pardon. Have you ever done something to someone that needed to be forgiven and then they forgave you? And the relief that comes from that to where the relationship is restored and you're forgiven when you didn't deserve to be forgiven. What God has forgiven us is so much greater than anything that could be forgiven between man and man. And let me say this. Look, look with me at verse 1 again. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And look at what it says. All and all that is in me, bless his holy name. Okay, can we all say that together? All that is in me. Everybody, you ready? All that is in me. And right now, and it's, it's, man, I'm the same way. I think God has made me a preacher because he knew that I would hate sitting in the seat every week. It's, it's hard to listen sometimes. You've got so, much other, so many other things going on in your head. But I really want to do everything I can today to draw your attention to this concept of thankfulness. And, and let me make a, a, a social commentary right now. Have you noticed that Thanksgiving has become a shopping day and not a Thanksgiving day? So think about how that's changed. From thanking God that the day is devoted to bringing our families together to focus on thankfulness to Almighty God for His benefits to what am I going to get next? What am I going to get next? I got to buy this. I got to buy that. I got to buy this. I got to buy that. You can't get through the meal without the Black Friday ads coming out. And even the stores are opening during the day to take advantage of our desire to get more and more and more and more. Is this a first world issue? It really is. It's our Now listen, I confess, I love shopping. I love it when it's for me. 
I bought a TV. On um, what day was it? Friday. Black Friday. I got a 65 inch TV for upstairs. And one of these days, I'm going to do a home theater downstairs. That'll drive the neighbors out of the neighborhood. It's going to be amazing. I love to shop. So I'm not standing up here being judgmental about people who are wanting to get a bargain, you know, to buy gifts or whatever. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is look at the cultural shift from thinking about God on that day to thinking about Walmart. It's amazing. And so this concept, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. We live in a culture that is distracting us from who God is. Listen to what Spurgeon said about that. He said, and forget not all his benefits. Not so much as one of the divine dealings should be forgotten. They are all really beneficial to us, all worthy of himself and all subjects for praise. Memory is very... This is such a good statement. And I think that all of us will relate to this. Memory is very treacherous about the best things. By a strange perversity engendered by the fall, it treasures up the refuse of the past and permits priceless treasures to lie neglected. Isn't it amazing we can remember everything that somebody has done bad to us and we forget the good stuff that God has done? It is tenacious of grievances and holds benefits all too loosely. It needs spurring to its duty, though that duty ought to be its delight. We have to to just delight in praising God and being thankful. Now listen to what he says here. All that is within me. God's all cannot be praised with less than our all. Did you hear that? God's all cannot be praised with less than our all. Get get your focus on that. Think about that today. We're drawing our attention to God's mercy for us and everything that He's done for us. And the Bible says that that requires our all. Listen to this. The Lord has saved us with a great salvation. Shall we render no recompense? The name of ingrate is one of the most shameful that a man can wear. Surely we cannot be content to run the risk of such a brand. Let us awake then, and with intense enthusiasm, bless Jehovah. Isn't that good? With intense enthusiasm, let's bless Jehovah. He is worthy of that blessing. And it's interesting about this text that... This, this passage, it has the same number of verses as letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And so they would go through the alphabet and praise him for something that he had done in this text. And the word bless occurs seven times in it. Is God perfectly worthy of us blessing him? Have you ever wondered what the word bless means? I looked it up. Webster's 1828 dictionary. It says this. It is to pronounce a wish of happiness to one. To express a wish or desire of happiness. So what are we saying? I want God to be happy. When we say, bless the Lord, it is, Lord, be happy. Lord, I want you to be pleased. I want you to be happy. And think about that cultural shift that I'm talking about. It's all about our happiness. This culture, 
What can I get? What can I get? As opposed to, God, you're worthy of everything. My all. We need to be spurred to enthusiastically bless the Lord. Now, this psalm is about mercy. And I don't know about you guys, but I need mercy. I'm so thankful that God has saved me. I'm so thankful that He's forgiven me my sin. Are you thankful for that? That He's forgiven you your sin? That might be the question. Has He forgiven you your sin? You see, it doesn't come without asking. God is willing to forgive you everything that you've ever done. You just have to go to Him and say, Lord, forgive me, I'm a sinner. Save me, Lord, please. I need to be saved. And you're born again. You realize that He is God, that He died on the cross to pay for your sin, that He rose from the dead the third day, proving that He was, is, and always will be God. That's how you're saved. You believe that and you ask Him to save you. If you've never done that, you need to be saved. You must be born again. Then you know what He's done? He's forgiven you all. He's forgiven you for everything. So this psalm is about mercy, and we're going to look at the quality of mercy, the measure of mercy, the extent of mercy, and the duration of mercy. That's what we're going to look at. And this passage tells us all about that. So let's look at the quality of the mercy. Look at verse, these benefits, bless the Lord, O my soul, verse 2, and forget not all his benefits. What is this mercy? Verse 3, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. So what is the quality of this mercy? It includes, look at what it says. It includes forgiveness, healing, redeeming, and crowning. It includes, look again, it includes forgiving, healing, redeeming, and crowning. That's pretty cool, isn't it? See, isn't it, there's something different between somebody forgiving you, but not only forgiving you, but now giving you everything. Is that different? That's what God has done for us. That's what He's done for us. He loves us so much, He gave us everything. Now, I want to go through this, and this will be the, this first point will be the longest, and the others, Lord willing, will be shorter. Um, but I want to look at three of these benefits and how this works out in our lives. Because here's what happens. Sometimes people, they spiritualize these texts. When God means every word of it, every word of it is true. So let's look at it. So we're going to look at three of the benefits that God purchased at Calvary that He paid for. So the, the first one, it's very interesting. God is actually going to redeem the dirt. He's going to redeem the surface of the earth. He's going to redeem this orb that we live on because it's a mess. And it's going to get worse and worse. You know, we believe in global warming. It's all going to melt with fervent heat, Right? But before that, he's going to redeem it. He's going to restore it to what it is supposed to be. Look at uh, Matthew chapter... Keep your place in Psalms, of course. But look at Matthew chapter 13. Look at verse 44. Um, look at verse 38, sorry. The field is the word, the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, 
But the tares are the children of the wicked one. So this is the parable of the, the, the wheat and the tares, and Jesus is explaining this to his disciples. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth His angels, and they shall gather out of His kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire, and there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus Christ is going to redeem this earth, this world. He is going to redeem every bit of it. It is coming. He is going to heal the world. But then what about the animals? Have you ever wondered about the animals? What's going to happen to the animals in the kingdom and all of that? How many of your children have asked you that? What, what happens with the animals? Let's, let's look at it. Look at uh, Isaiah chapter 11. These benefits that God has promised us. All right, so this is God describing what that millennial kingdom is going to be like. So Isaiah chapter 11, look at verse 6. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. And the cow and the bear shall feed. Their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. And the suckling child shall play on the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the cockatrice's den. Now look at this. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all, thy, in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters of the, the cover the sea. Now I love verse 10. And in that day, now, y'all y'all know that day, right? That's the day Jesus Christ comes to rule and reign. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, that's Jesus, which shall stand for an ensign, that's a sign, a banner, of the people. And to it shall the Gentiles seek, and I love this, and his rest shall be what? Glorious. That glorious rest that Jesus is going to bring. So he's going to redeem the actual earth. He's going to change even the way the animals behave and interact with each other. But not only that, he's going to heal all of our diseases. He's, that's what it says in Psalm 103. He's going to heal. That's not just a spiritualized thing. That for, for those of us, when the Lord returns, we go into the kingdom, we'll never be sick again. We'll be on this earth ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ with all of our diseases healed. Isn't that wonderful? Look, you guys don't care. Isn't that wonderful? Man, if you've ever been sick or you have something wrong with you, it will be wonderful. Look at Romans chapter 8. Kenzie wouldn't have to have surgery on her ear. It'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 18. <clears throat> For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time 
are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Do you see that, that, that that's not to us? It's in us. Do you see that? So how many of you are glad it's in us and not to us? In us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. When we are revealed, the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. But not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, look at, waiting for the adoption to it, the redemption of our body. Jesus Christ is going to do that. That, that, that idea, He healeth all our diseases, that's just not some spiritual thing where he, heal, that he forgives our sin. He forgives our sin in the text, but He's also going to heal all of our diseases. Aren't you glad there's going to be a time when all of the sickness, whether it's physical or mental, emotional, whatever it is, it's all going to be gone. Isn't that wonderful? That is what we can thank God for today. It's coming. That's the quality of the mercy. Go back to Psalm 103. The quality of the mercy. Let's look at the measure of the mercy. What, how far does it go? What does it include? Verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and I like this, plenteous in mercy. mercy. When God says plenty, understand that that's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. How much is plenty? I don't know, but it's a lot. Can I say this? It's more than enough. It's more than enough. I, I love that when we talk about the, the tabernacle and the temple and all of the implements, you know, the, the table of showbread and the, the brazen altar, the brazen laver, the, all of the other implements of the temple and the tabernacle, God gave a specific dimension to. But on the laver, there's no dimension because the laver is where the washing was done. And the, the washing, the cleansing power of God is limitless. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how far your sin has gone. His mercy can go farther. Isn't that wonderful? I want you to think about something. Charles Manson. He just died. And it is interesting that pretty much everything that Charles Manson believed is what the far left believes today. The global warming, the overpopulation, the... the wiping out of undesirable races, all that stuff that Manson believed in, that's what the left holds to today, those who vote in Congress. It, it's amazing. Check it out. Don't just listen to me. Go check it out. Um, he, was a, he was an interesting man. He wrote songs with the Beach Boys and it, just crazy guy. What he did to those people what he led others to do to those people. And if he had lived, he wanted to wipe out 50 million people. In his own words, he wanted to kill 50 million people. Would you all agree that that's bad? It's horrible. Is 40 years in prison enough? Look at Psalm 103. Look at verse 6. The Lord executeth 
righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. You see, Manson is going to pay for that forever. What is enough of a penalty for Stalin who killed 60 million people, 30 million people? He killed 30 million people. 30 million people. What about Mao? 60 to 100 million people he killed. Communism killed them. Hitler. Is death enough? No, we have a righteous God who will judge them righteously. But do you know what the amazing thing is? If they had turned to God, He would have forgiven them. Do you understand that that's the extent of His mercy? That God could forgive a Hitler? That God could forgive a Stalin or a Mao? That God could forgive you? You see, if His mercy extends to Hitler, it certainly extends to you. That's the extent of His mercy. Man, I don't have that kind of mercy. I hope Hitler didn't get saved. You know, I hope Mao didn't get saved. Tell me if you kind of agree with me, so I feel bad saying that out loud. God is much more merciful than we are. See, sometimes, have you ever met somebody that was more merciful than God? You could tell the way that they talk. They think that God's too hard. God would have forgiven Hitler. That's the extent of his mercy. If you're here today and you don't think that God could forgive you, he can't. That's so wonderful. The quality of his mercy, the, the, the measure of his mercy. It's, it's amazing how much there is. He's plenteous in mercy. But I want you to see this. This is actually the extent of his mercy. Look at verse 11. Um, why don't we just read on from verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. What is that chide? That's, if all God did was point out our failures, he would be just in doing that. But he doesn't do that. He stops. He, he convicts us of sin and then he allows us to recover. Isn't that a blessing? Then, verse 10, He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. That's mercy, isn't it? Why? Look at verse 11. It explains it. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward them that fear Him. That's the extent of, our, of, our, of His mercy. See, your sin wouldn't fill the distinction. It wouldn't fill the space between heaven and earth. And yet, that's where God's mercy extends. Isn't that good? That's the extent of His mercy. And then look at the duration of His mercy. How long will His mercy last? Verse 17. But the mercy of the Lord is, say it out loud with me, from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear Him and His righteousness unto children's children. How many of you are thankful that your kids get to grow up to know the Lord? So I want you to think about something. This is such, this is such a great thing. So... My grandparents, my dad's parents, were kind of against religion. Dad surrendered to preach, and they basically disowned him. Um, but before that, this guy named Bob Lee, senior in high school, ran track with my dad, invited him to church. Dad went to church and got saved. Because dad got saved, so I have an older brother, Bill, and then an older sister, Debbie, and they're saved. 
and their kids are saved. I have a younger sister, Linda. Her kids are saved. I've got a younger sister, Megan. Her kids are saved. Now they are having children. And those children get to have the opportunity to be saved because Bob Lee, as a senior in high school, invited my dad to church where dad heard the gospel. That mercy, when you get saved, when you lead someone to the Lord Jesus Christ, and then you continue in the word, as Jesus said, and you become a disciple indeed, then what happens is now your extended family, all the way down your family tree, they all have the opportunity to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Isn't that wonderful? And that mercy, it lasts from everlasting to everlasting. How about this? That mercy is going to last as long as God does. That's a wonderful thing. Can I ask you a question? Should we be thankful for that? Amen. I don't know about you guys, but when I see these little kids, when I see these little ones, I watch little Kate and Chloe, Nathan and Shauna's kids. I want to see them serve the Lord. You know, I watch little Caitlin, uh, what's your name? Curlis. And so smart. I want her to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, uh, Kelly, what's your little girl? Kelly. See, Caitlin, Kelly, 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 Kelly. I don't know. But Kelly. You watch this little one. She walks out looking like an angel. I want her to know Jesus and her honorary brothers. I want them to know Jesus. These young people. I want you guys to get married and have children. Did you get that order? And I want those kids to know the Lord Jesus. I want your children's children to understand the extent of God's mercy, the duration of that mercy, that it's from everlasting to everlasting. Is there anything better than seeing your kids succeed? I love that passage in John. I have no greater joy than to see my children walk in truth. There's nothing better than that. There is nothing better than that. To see them succeed spiritually is even better than seeing them succeed in a career. It's wonderful. Do you know what we need to do? We need to step back from all the cares of this life, from the busyness of the season, from the the cares of finances, from the cares of, of everything that goes on, family relationships, all of that stuff. We need to step back and we need to think about the greatness of God. And then we need to say this, Lord, I want you to be happy. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Listen. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Let me ask you a question. And I'm done. This is it. Let's all stand. I'll I'll be done with this. Last thing. I I want you to ask yourself this question. When is the last time that everything that was in you blessed the Lord? Where you gave Him your complete focus, listen, in thankfulness. I don't know about you, it's been a long time for me. I am so distracted. I have so many things going on in my head all the time. When is the last time that you focused everything enthusiastically on Him and His benefits. Isn't it wonderful? God doesn't ever look at us and say, I want you to love me 
even though I don't do anything for you. Never says that. That's kind of the Muslim God. Right? Allah wills it. Everything back. Allah wills it. Very capricious God. You don't have any idea what He wants. You don't have any idea whether He's going to bless you or not. That's not the God we worship, folks. Look at, let me say it out loud. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and, listen, forget not all His benefits. When's the last time that with everything that is in you, you blessed Him? I know there have been times for me, it's been a long time ago since I worked out this way, but where I gave everything I had to where I couldn't lift it anymore. Complete, complete failure. When's the last time I did that for the Lord? Running cross country where I ran everything. I got done in dry heaves. Nothing would come up because everything was gone. When's the last time that that's the way that I blessed the Lord? All that is in me. We need to all ask ourselves that today. Amen? Is he worthy of that? We give ourselves completely to other things. And here's the amazing thing. God never asks us to do that all the time. He just says, periodically, remember me. Remember me. We're going to remember him tonight. Remember me. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father.